On today's show, the lifeblood of contractor profitability, part two. Before we roll in today's show, if you're not signed up for any events, whether that's in-person or virtual, take a look at the event calendar at events.mycontractuniversity.com and get signed up. All right, let's get going with today's show. Gary Ellix is going to wrap up the conversation regarding service agreements and why service agreements are the lifeblood of your business. Take it away, Gary. In the relationships that we deal with, with technicians and with customers, you know, we have company benefits, we have employee benefits, and we have customer benefits. So all three of those have to be present for a club program to be effective. How does that work? Well, you know, we have customer benefits that are pretty strong. So when we do precision tune-up marketing, it's easier to convert a customer over to a full club benefit. So there is a business model. I'm going to show you what that looks like. I would uh, give quite a bit of focus to assigning a champion. It's um, the second to last bullet point here. The, the weakness that I see in a lot of businesses, you know, when I was doing a lot of coaching was nobody owned the program. It was, you know, hey, we want to do it, but nobody actually was assigned that particular responsibility. So I think you need to assign a champion. If that's the owner, that's fantastic, but that responsibility needs to be defined. Or if it's a service manager, that's okay as well but there needs to be compensation, there needs to be metrics, there needs to be reporting and tracking. And then ultimately, you know, you probably want to grow the business. We actually have an assigned person that's driving the maintenance program and basically is living within the service department to do that. So this is what it looks like. If we understand that we need a vision and a focal point on club agreements, that that drives the ability to create wealth uh, and certainly drives the ability to market to shoulder season and cross market plumbing and electrical, there you go. We need to assign some goals. And then the question becomes, what strategy do I use? I'm going to argue that there isn't a right strategy. So you could be break even, or you can be uh, more like uh, Ron Smith has written in his book, uh, HVAC Spells Wealth, you know, pricing for margin or gross profit dollars and make money on the agreements. I've seen success in both patterns. I've had success in both patterns. Um, today, I think there's, there might be an argument be made because labor is tough, you know, to price a little higher for the margin side. Um, I think that would be the argument that most people would probably land on today. Um, if you went back into the 90s, you could pretty much argue since we had more labor capacity that break even and the ability to capture more club customers was a, a, a what I would call price based strategy. So imagine, you know, a PTU, which stands for precision tune up, you know, at forty nine dollars. There's a lot of people that would say, oh, well, we don't want to do that. But the purpose of that is to grab a new customer, not to make money on $49. You're monetizing the actual database of the house. So the argument today would be, we probably don't want to do that. You know, we probably want to be somewhere out here. Uh, if I want to grow my business and I have labor, then this might be an acceptable strategy. So how does that look in the real world? Well, you've got to set up a pricing strategy that makes sense. So in this case, this is all fake data, but you know, $20 an hour is probably not gonna cut it today. So you know, this probably needs to be more like 30. And then as you move through the time and the minutes to be able to create the maintenance, the number of tune-ups that you're gonna have in the model, you're gonna create a price down here that is based on the idea that this creates a 45% margin at this price point. Or if you use the tool that I'm gonna give you through you know, when uh, David sends this out behind, you can assign a price here 
let's put a price in here of 169 and that's going to create an actual margin percentage for you. So I'm going to take you back to this slide right here. And there is a discussion right here about departmentalization. And so departmentalization means that maintenance becomes its own department. When maintenance becomes its own department, we can absolutely then use this idea and say, my overhead in maintenance, and this is a real number for a company, is 34%. So I could assign 34% at this number right here and create a price at 169, which would represent a 34% margin, which would mean a zero profit in maintenance. But the question becomes, what do I gain from the accessory sales? What do I gain from the replacement sales? This is going to drive lots and lots of numbers in terms of the actual numbers of agreements, but it is not a profitable strategy as it relates to maintenance. So again, if you go back to this discussion in terms of the Ron Smith model, um, what we would do is we would say, well, maybe we want this to be closer to 50%. And so we would have fewer numbers in terms of the actual agreements, but this price would need to probably be something like 269. And so customers are probably not going to consume as many agreements. Either one of those strategies works. I'm, I'm good. I want the company to have a focal uh, point on what their strategy is, and then everything should align behind that. And that's the concept that really you're, we're driving for it in, in, in EGI world is to pick a strategy, uh, own the relationship with the culture, and then create all your pricing and your marketing and flow behind that based on the idea. So if we wanted to do monster maintenance, and monster maintenance was you know, $1,200 to do that, we might not have quite as many of these numbers, but we would certainly be profitable inside of that segment. Departmentalization is how we understand that. It's how we track it. It's our report card. So that brings us to this sort of understanding of, all right, well, how do we actually do this? So this is your new customer marketing. And so this is going to be PTU driven. Uh, this is going to be, you know, the idea of creating some of these PTUs into clubs. And this is your existing customer base, which is all about renewal. So we don't know what your renewal number is unless we track it. You know, we want that to be about 85 to 90 percent. That would be a great renewal number. So what that's building is a pyramid of club agreements. The pyramid of club agreements is going to require you to hire maintenance techs at some point because your service techs are going to be running service calls during your peak period. So that's a strategy that needs to be put down on a piece of paper and executed. The second part of that is that while we do this and we build this customer base that is creating a wealth, <laughs> we know we're going to be able to create opportunities for replacement leads. And this is what this is going to look like. We're going to close close to 80 to 85 percent of our replacement leads that are maintenance driven. So this is the existing customer model we talked about. We also know that we're going to create a lower referral or a lower expense pattern uh, in, in relationship to marketing. Uh, so if I have, you know, um, 5000 club agreements here. I know that during my shoulder season, I don't have to spend marketing money to go find new customers to consume my labor. I can go at them with my technicians and my selling processes inside of my technician. I also know that about one out of eight of these customers right here, out of these 5,000 are gonna buy an accessory. And so that closure rate becomes an important point. Uh, again, don't have time to go through all the marketing discussions, but if you come to workshop, 
what we do is we talk about how the technician transacts, how do we communicate, how do we teach the technicians, and what promotions and marketing philosophy do we work with customers while we're in the home. So that's a very sophisticated conversation. It's going to take a little bit more time than what we have today. So we have some benchmarks. And our benchmarks look like this. Um, we, we know we want to convert you know, some percentage of customers over to demand service uh, from tune-ups. So when we do tune-up marketing, we like to see that somewhere around 60 to 65%. Um, whether we do monthly debits or whether we do a full month or a full year prepay, uh, we love the idea of being able to convert those customers into full-scale maintenance. We also know that we have probably about 900 maintenance calls that will require one labor uh, technician years worth of labor. So, you know, think 2,100 labor hours uh, supports 900 club agreements. We know we're going to create leads. We know we're going to create GP dollars. We know we're going to create opportunities for a higher margin percentage, et cetera. We also know that we're going to transact uh, replacement sales. So demographically, the two numbers I want you to lock in on are we know one out of 15 customers that are in the maintenance program just because of age of demographics on homes and equipment are going to turn into replacement sales. We also know that one out of eight are going to turn into accessories. So if we monetize that, <coughs> excuse me, um, this is what it's going to look like. Year one, these are you know random numbers, but they basically flow through. If we sold 500 club agreements and we know the average of every club agreement is monetized at $650. We're going to produce about 300,000 and change in revenue. If we expect those to be priced at 45%, we would be looking at a gross profit number of about 146,000. There's nothing sexy about that. It really, you know, it's, it's okay. The numbers look okay. Um, what really gets interesting is year two, year three, year four, and as we grow the business. Uh, and we're excluding tuck-ins from this conversation. This is straight up new customer marketing through precision tune-up. You know, pick a zip code, pick a zone, drop you know, postcards, gather customers, and then bring those customers into the club agreements. The next year, we're going to renew a portion of those 500, but we're going to bring in a new 500. So now I have 950. Again, the average of replacement and accessories at one out of 15, one out of eight, that's going to produce revenue now of 617,000. Again, there's no marketing expenses that have really attached to this other than what it took to create these 500 agreements on precision tune-ups. At that same 45% margin, now I'm looking at closer to 300,000 GP. And it gets very interesting in year three because the renewals are here. We're now at about 1,300 and change. Now we're talking pretty close to 875,000. And now we're talking pretty close to 400,000 gross profit dollars. And so the marketing expenses really, again, simply reside around the 500 agreements. So this is kind of the argument for the price-based precision tune-up marketing to be able to gather more club agreements. You know, if those numbers were 500 uh, or, or to 5,000, you know, this starts changing the paradigm just a little bit. Again, that's based on your goals, it's based on your desire for achievement, it's based on how much you want to work. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that that makes it, you know, not necessarily a uh, uh, do it this way. Uh, I always ask contractors, you know, what are you, what are you trying to achieve? What, how much do you want to grow? You know, how interested are you in building 
an organization around you, which requires people and with people, you know, there are other problems. So the bigger you get, the more complicated the business becomes as it relates to people. So these numbers are just supporting the idea of profitability, which is the basis of this webinar, which is how do you turn a club agreement into a profitability model? And so this has been the most successful model that we have in the trades. That being said, if you want to add a secondary strategy, the idea that you would tuck in a, a database, we would be doing the same thing. We would literally be going after the club agreements inside of the tuck-in customer base, and we would be looking for the same types of production coming out of that. So that brings us to you know how we do it. A lot of ways to skin the cat here. Most of this is electronic today, but you cannot close the ticket without having a conversation about the club agreement price. Um, so for us, um, this would be my discussion with you. Uh, two things I would say, number one, raise your service prices. If you raise your service prices, what that does is it creates a bigger economic discount here. And two, raise your discount as well. You know, so if you're at $400 an hour and a 20% discount, that's going to be more interesting than if you're at $250 an hour at a 15% discount. You're going to create a bigger gap for the customer to be interested in buying this particular club agreement. In other words, it makes it economically feasible for the client to say, well, sure, why wouldn't I do that? Now, what we do is layer on our benefits. And so this is a representation of that math. So uh, for us, depending on the type of uh, program we're running, sometimes we'll throw in a free precision tune-up for the client on the spot, basically, if we're not busy. We'll do that on a seasonal basis. That also tends to support the idea of creating a schedule where there's one, two, and three. So during that peak period here, I'm moving this tune-up into the slow season so that I can actually create a schedule that works for the company and not necessarily put my technician in a position where they're running a precision tune-up or a maintenance call uh, club agreement in the middle of the summertime when obviously we're, we're slammed with uh, you know, demand service calls. That being said, um, this is how we do the conversion process. You, you need a technician flyer. Um, I would expect that in today's world, we'd love to see a video to support the technician. Um, for us, there's benefits. I always give a lifetime guarantee on any repairs that are a part of my agreement as long as you're staying in the club. So that repair itself that you're experiencing today will not happen again. Lots of different ways to approach this discussion, but Essentially, this is the flyer that supports the technician. That's really the message here. And then the tech training side of this is critical. Um, we train technicians on customer relationships and social styles. That's your personality profile, the actual program itself, but also the idea that you have a daily huddle or some sort of a training, repetitive training model, you know, where you're actually talking to your technicians about building the club program. So if you go from zero club agreements you know, to 500, that's a pattern of success. But how do we get that to 5,000, you know, versus a relationship of 10,000 customers in a database? This company right here is worth a lot of money and it's going to produce a lot of cash flow and it's going to produce a lot of benefits for your technicians. So the marketing side of this is, you know, every, you have plenty of people out there that can do the marketing. What I would say is um, think of it this way. Uh, if this was the outer belt, you know, of Arizona or Phoenix or even Orlando, et cetera, um, what you could do is you would have quadrants of zip codes and these would be target markets for you. 
And if your location or your business is here, the question becomes, you know, let's go into a particular zone and do precision tune-up type marketing where we're dropping and let's build a database. And so the number I would like you to write down is when you reach a 20% penetration in any given zip code, then it is worthy to start thinking about moving into the other zip codes. So if this is my favorite zip code based on demographics, uh, and there are companies out there like Stochastic Marketing that do an amazing job of you know, identifying where the best potential is, this would be an example where we'd say, um, it, 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 I'm going historically, if there were 100,000 homes in these four zip codes, the question then becomes, how do I get 20,000 club agreements to build that 20% market share, which would require me to be looking at this particular zip code and saying, all right, I want a heat map. I want to know where my customer base is, and I'm going to keep going at it in this zip code until I reach that penetration. Again, go back to Ron Smith's book, you know, Dominant Market Share. Just own the zip codes that are close proximity to your business. It's There's a lot of financial wisdom in that. Uh, again, I'll, I'll show you some just example marketing materials. So when we do actually have a conversation with a customer in a precision tune-up discussion, we can have a repair versus replace conversation. Once we're of an age of the equipment of 10 years or older, this is what's going to produce the one out of 15 metric where we're able to talk about an operating cost. And we just have a conversation with the client about the equipment's operating fine, but it might be in your best interest to consider this idea. So we always look at these two rules, which is you know 4K, price of the repair times the age of the equipment. And if it reaches 4K, um, certainly that that for us is an opportunity to educate the client on what's going on. Uh, so last bullet point, and then I'm going to turn this back over to David, uh, try to keep this within the framework of the hour we promised. Uh, so the first thing I would suggest is let's create a, a culture. Let's create the idea around the, the, the principle that service agreements are a three-legged stool. They benefit the customer, they benefit the technician and the team, and they also benefit the owner of the company or the wealth building process of the company. The second thing would be then the idea that we need to be able to deliver value and a, a, you know customer experience around the club agreement. You can't just create a price-based offer or a precision tune-up and then just check boxes. So we have to build relationships with clients. If we don't do that, then we're probably not going to be able to keep the customer sticky. And so you know companies like Apple and uh, Amazon, and you know, you just go through the list, Zappos would be another one. Their, their ability to make the customer feel good about the product and service is what creates an exceptional brand. I think that's what you're looking for. So it's not just about product, it's about building a relationship. Have a champion, uh, you know, bullet point three, you know, make sure somebody owns the relationship with culture. And so involving the team, my group of technicians and service management always build the technical specification. They always build the product portfolio. Once they have the discussion and they make the conclusions, they become very committed to the idea because they were involved. Choose the strategy. So again, Gary doesn't care if it's price-based or if it's margin-based, either way works. Um, your metrics will change a little bit based on that. Um, you can't charge a million dollars for a precision tune-up and expect a whole bunch of people to want to consume that. Uh, so, But if you charge very little money, uh, people will question whether or not there's value in that. So again, both of those strategies you know, have uh, strengths and weaknesses. So choose your strategy and build your training around that. Uh, I mentioned to raise your demand service prices and increase the discount. Again, I think that's 
um, a basic formula to give people the three things they want. Number one, customers want emotional support. They want to feel good about the relationship. Number two, they want a physical uh, process. And I mean, uh, what that means is the physical problem needs solved. If I don't have air conditioning, you've now got me air conditioning. You know, if I don't have heat, you've got me heat. So they need the physical challenge to be dealt with. And the third thing is they want an economic value proposition. Perceived value is equal to perceived benefits divided by price. They want to feel good that they've done well as it relates to that. So creating a higher price allows the larger discount. That's the economic side and solves that emotional side as well. Number seven, set goals for the technicians, but also set goals for the service department. Involve the technicians in building the core product. And so this one, we're not going to spend a whole bunch of time on, but in class, we certainly do, which is what do I put on my vehicles in terms of accessories and the ability to support the transactions of the accessories? So I tend to rotate those on a monthly basis. We might stock, uh, you know, the specific UV lights, but we also know from the database, based on what I told you earlier, I know what you don't have in my database. So when my technicians are being dispatched to a precision tune-up, we already know that week what the customer doesn't have. So we can corner uh, our stocking and our replenishment based on the idea of what we're promoting that month. And that is driven from the database, not driven from a guess. So it becomes a very focused process. So build the reward systems, you know, share the success. I mean, we certainly want the technicians and we want everybody inside of the team, the customer service group, everybody should be benefiting from the success pattern of this. We have plenty of money when we generate the gross profit dollars. Why not share that success? And there'll be more motivation for people to focus on how to improve. And so we also want the dispatching training to be dealt with. Most of the customers um, that are using, or most of the trade uh, folks today are probably using Service Titan uh, or probably Sarah or probably House Call Pro. All of these modules are, are fine. Uh, they all have operating practices to create dispatching and uh, scheduling. So um, I would integrate your flat rate system into your database. Again, that's pretty self-explanatory. We've been doing that for, I don't know, probably about 30 years now, and there's plenty of good flat rate systems out there. Build the technician marketing accessories. So again, you know, we had those one-page flyers I showed you. So we need to train around that. We need to do role play. Uh, what we call real play. We need to have technician ride-alongs. You need to support the men and the ladies to be able to understand how to actually talk to customers. And that's the training issue. And then establish metrics and track the metrics. So a lot of companies, unfortunately, they just don't track the data. Um, they promote the idea, but there isn't a report card. And so I think one of the things you want is a weekly meeting to review what's happened and a monthly update so that you're constantly focused on what's going on. And that's how you build a great culture. Awesome content right there, as always. Now, be sure to share this on Facebook. And if you're not a member, I want you to click the button below to get a 30-day free trial, which will give you access to all of our amazing content. Well, that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. And until then, my friends, bye-bye for now.